Welcome to Speaking Candidly with Candace, where we talk in depth with everyday people about their fears and challenges and what they have done to overcome them. I'm your host, Candace Schoner, and I hope over the next half hour, you will be enlightened, engaged, and inspired to live your best life. Today, I'll be talking to Kim Culbertson, who has five children and blogs about her unexpected life living on a farm in Zions Crossroads, Virginia, with her son and his family. Kim grew up in New Orleans, Louisiana, where she studied philosophy and psychology at George Mason University in Fairfax, Virginia, and celebrated her upcoming 70th birthday by backpacking along the Camino Santiago Trail with her two sisters. Welcome, Kim. Very glad to be here. Delighted that you're, you're here, and I have to start with the Santiago Trail. So impressed, 100 miles of backpacking. What prompted you to take that journey? That was nothing in my world that ever, I ever thought I could do. It was an amazing feat, and after the first day, we could have left and said, we rock. So what happened was um, I had a wonderful partnership with a woman for 30 years after my, my marriage, after my divorce. And last September, um, she walked away, and I never saw her again, and I kind of went into a deep dive. And on the second day, a friend of mine out of the blue called me. We'd been in fourth grade together. We talked once a year, maybe three or four times a year. And I'm walking into Wegmans to get a couple of bottles of wine. And he says, he calls me and he says, Kim, you've got to watch this movie. And I'm going, he doesn't even know what's happened. He's telling me to watch this movie. There's a reason for this, which I believe in signs. And I was pretty desperate anyway. I'm holding on with right my thread. fingernails, yep. with a thread. He said, it's called The Way. And I said, okay. He said, I said, uh, guess what? My partner just left me. I've got my two bottles of wine. Now I'm kind of joking. And he said, okay, call me after you watch the movie. Uh, of course, I didn't know anything about it. So I get home, open one bottle of wine first, and uh, get the movie The Way with uh, Martin Sheen, and his son is the one who wrote it. And it's a man who walked the Camino de Santiago. I didn't even know what that was. And so I'm going, ah. Well, I'm supposed to walk the Camino de Santiago. I had no idea what that meant. So the next morning, I wake up, and, and I, I'm holding on to this idea. It's something positive that's going to pull me through this horrible, grief-stricken time. And I run up to the big house where my uh, son and his family live, and I burst in to, in the morning, and I said, guess what? I'm going to walk the Camino de Santiago. And they looked at you like you were nuts, probably. They did, and I didn't even know what it was. So. I go home and I get on the web and I go, oh my God, this is complicated. There are like 33 segments. I, I don't even understand what this is. How am I going to figure this out? But I'm going. That's all I know. So right. um, You that, didn't go alone, right? Well, that's the next part. Uh, one day later, I'm, I have to go to a little meeting at my church. And, you know, I called my mother when my partner left me. and. So my sister, I'm getting ready to go into the meeting. It's 6 o'clock at night, and my sister calls and says, Karen, I just heard the news. I said, I'm going on the Camino de Santiago. And she says, I'm going with you. And I went, wow. okay. And so I put my phone in the car. I go to my meeting. I come out, 
8 o'clock, and my sister has organized three other people to go. My other sister, they're both younger, and then a cousin who I hadn't seen since he was 12, who did not end up going. But uh, he, he gave us the impetus to keep going. He had walked three times already. So that's how we got there. That is amazing that you would take it sort of on faith that this was something that mm -hmm. you had to do. I'm guessing you've done some backpacking before. We had done nothing. Oh my God. So we're reading the blogs and we're like, oh my God, okay, we need shoes, uh, we need a backpack. My other sister who only shops at thrift shops says, well, I'm not paying money for all that stuff. You know, I'm gonna get a bag from <laughs> off the shelf from somewhere. And in December, so that was in September, in December, we actually bought our tickets, so now it's real. Uh, now, you know, we're not worried because our cousin's gone three times and we're totally relying on him to do everything for us. So we're not really, we're looking at it, we're, we're looking at blogs, we're not too worried about it. And then a month before we're going to leave, my cousin says he's not going and we go in a panic. We have done nothing. We have, we, 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 we have done nothing. Wow. We just know this is where we start and that's it. Uh, so we're, we begin reading the blogs ferociously now, trying to figure out what we're going to do. We know we're going to start at Saint-Port-de-Jean uh, Saint in France. So uh, we have our tickets and now we know it's a thousand year old trail for pilgrims and that it's 500 miles. Well, that's only one, there are trails from all over uh, Spain and Portugal and, and France. But we chose the one that started in France and went up the north part of Spain. So we arrive on uh, September 8th. We get off the plane and we are pinching ourselves. This is real. Here we are. Oh my God. We've never backpacked. We've never carried. The three of you never backpacked. Never, never put a backpack on our backs. Two of my, one of my sisters had bought her shoes the day before. Oh my God. Big no-no. Yeah, uh, blisters. My, my other sister and I, at least we had shoes. I was walking up the Monticello Trail a lot, so at least I had, but I was the oldest. Yes, they were younger. And that's, that is so impressive because never having backpacked before, mm -hmm. that is a tremendous hike in mm -hmm. a new territory that mm -hmm. you've never been. Mm -hmm. Like you said, your cousin bailed out on you. Mm -hmm. Sorry, cousin. Mm -hmm. Missed a, what was probably an amazing trip. Um, how long did the trip last? We planned from September 7th through September 24th. Our first day though, we had, uh, as a pilgrim, my idea was you're a pilgrim, you have faith, you walk that you're going to get a place to sleep that night. That was not the case. So we, our first day, we are gonna walk over the Pyrenees Mountains and both my sisters were very afraid to do it. I was afraid to do it, but that's where you started, and I wanted to do it from the beginning, sure. just like in the movie. And we walked up uh, three hours, and there was no place at the inn. I was flabbergasted. We're pilgrims, but all of these companies now are involved where mm -hmm. they carry people's backpacks, and they, they make reservations a year in advance. So then we realized, oh my God, we have to walk over the top and we have, it's gonna be night by the time we get on the other side. And uh, so we put our backpacks on and we continued to walk. We got over the top, 
it was getting dark, a fog is coming in, it's getting cold, we're getting nervous. Uh, you don't see people on the trail a lot of the times when we went. And um, it, 11 hours it took us, wow. 11 hours we got on the other That's side. That's determination. I love oh your determination. God. It, we kept seeing signs that said five more kilo, kil, kilometers. kilometers. And it, it just, I don't think it really was five more kilometers. I have a question. Yes. I have lots of questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But do you normally not plan your vacations out? There were three women on this trip. No <laughs> one thought to book advance any hotel reservations? No. <laughs> Apparently not. That was the beauty of it. My, my sisters, you know, I thought for sure they are going to hate me. We are exhausted. Uh, there is no... There's nothing. I mean, our packs are now heavy. My one sister, I had to carry her pack for her. She had her daughter's backpack, who was very tall, and it was hitting her and cutting the circulation off her legs. Mm, ouch. So I'm carrying her backpack down. What did you have in those backpacks? Um, Give me an idea of the preparation. Hopefully you had some preparation of what you were putting oh, in the backpack. We had two pair of long pants, uh, two shirts, two short sleeve shirts, two long sleeve shirts, two pair of underwear, uh, sandal, I mean, light. Uh, Very no, light. No sleeping bags. Um, it, I mean, the backpack was heavy. Her backpack right. was old, so. so it was heavy. Mine was a new one, so it was light. And when you, you made your first stop mm -hmm. to rest, I assume you ate along the way, too. No, you had no, no, no. snacks? No, no, no. food. We, we weren't prepared. Can we, I make a caveat to our listeners? Sure. Don't do this at home. Don't try to go on a hundred mile trek we without food and water. We did not know it was going to, well, no. I mean, it wasn't the hundred on the first day. Not on the first day. But we get to the bottom of the hill. Finally, 11 hours later, we stop at the convent. There was no room. Now it's dark. There was no room. And this is where the magic of the trail comes. Um, we go into the center of the town. My, my youngest sister says, I can't walk another step. She has arthritis in her ankles. Oh, I did yeah. not know this. And she sits down. The, the next, the uh, sister that's a little bit older than her takes off. I sit with this sister. A young man comes and, and we said, do, have, do you have a place to stay? He said, well, if there weren't three of you, I would have let you stay in my room, but there's no room. My sister comes back, she says, there's one room available in the entire town, town, has three beds. What are the chances? How did she find that? She ran, there was one hotel down the way and she ran over there and got the one wow. room available that no one wanted because it required three people, so it cost more. Three, what were the chances of that? Those are the kinds of things right. that happen on the trail. We could have left that day, we rocked. We walked over you the absolutely did. Pyrenees Mountains. And then give me a little bit more, our listeners, a little bit more about the remainder part of the trip mm -hmm. and no pun or pun intended. Mm -hmm. And what did you walk away with? What was your mm -hmm. lesson? It, it is a special place, very special place. Uh, didn't expect to cry. I, I, I don't like my guests to cry, but it's okay. We support um, you. I support it, you. There are people from all over the world. Uh, we only saw two or three Americans. People from all over the world. And you are walking. You're away from your 
everyday life. So you are open-hearted. There are no stressors. You're just walking, walking, walking. And somebody might come up next, like this guy came up next to me. It was the craziest thing. And he says, so, how's it going? I'm walking. I said, oh, it's fine. He said, well, I learned something. He said, I stayed in the alberg last night, and this guy was snoring his head off, and normally I would have killed him, but I, got, I practiced kindness. And he said, I am shocked at myself. And then he proceeded to walk away. This is the kind of stuff that happens wow. on the trail. And then in the evening, you stay at what they call an alberg, which is a lot of twin beds. And you have, you share meals with a, a lot of people. And you, you meet more people as you're sitting down. And everybody is, is open to telling stories. And a lot of people along the trail leave stones with notes on them. Hmm. Uh, Stones are piled up everywhere, and, and, and I actually left a stone, and, and healings happen on this trail. Because you're open-hearted, you touch. For me, it was, this is what the peace of the world would be like. Everybody was kind and generous. Um, we shared things that you wouldn't know. I, I talked to this man from Japan. He didn't speak any English. I didn't speak any Japanese, but we managed to communicate. That's I mean, incredible. It's just incredible stories. And, and I, I had a healing. I, my my uh, brother, I had uh, eight brothers and sisters, New Orleans Catholic, and my uh, brother had a terrible childhood. And I carried the trauma of that childhood. Mm. I didn't realize it. And one night, I just, I'm sobbing and sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. I run outside, it's dark, I go on the trail and I'm sobbing. And I went, oh my God, I've been carrying my brother all these years. He died, by the way. I'm sorry uh, to hear that. And I picked up a stone, a big stone, put it on the trail and I said, okay, brother, this is where you're gonna stay because I'm through carrying you. Didn't know I was. And those kind of things wow. happen on the trail. So what did I take away? Believe in signs, uh, open-heartedness, and, and how it enhances communication and relationship, and that if anything is going to change the world, it's the one-on-one -on -one relating to people in wherever you are, to be that open-hearted person. I want to ask about, you went with your siblings, and I know if I took that kind of journey with my own siblings, mm -hmm. It might not have had such a happy ending. Um, so how did that work for you all? Did it cement your relationship, make it stronger? What was the relationship prior uh, to this experience? We were pretty uh, fun-loving family. We, we gather around food and drink. And uh, you know we live all over the, the world. And we come together always at Christmas or you know at least once a year. In fact, we had our first uh, fun on the farm with my family for a week they, with the grandkids and cousins, and there were 37 people there. It was fabulous, but oh my God, we were fabulous. We, we never argued. We were generous with each other, and yes, it cemented our relationship. We have a bond. Uh, I wish one of my other sisters would have come, but um, it creates a bond. I imagine so. Yeah. One of the things that I noticed when reading your blog mm -hmm. is the sense of humor. Mm. I have to say that I <laughs> enjoy that immensely. 
Mm -hmm. um, you blog about the unexpected life on the mm -hmm. farm. So share with us, if you would, uh, what brought you to that farm mm -hmm. and how it's working out living on a farm with your mm -hmm. son and his family. Well, that theme, the unexpected life, you, you think, I, I think I grew up with Disney, you know, life forever happy. You know, you do one thing and that's the thing you do your whole life. That has not worked out for me. It's been unexpected. Uh, it was unexpected going on that trip, but uh, my partner and I, when she hit her 50s, she was uh, a bipolar, and she very brave and kind person, was a professional, uh, and she, with medication, she was very function high functioning mm -hmm. until she hit her mid-50s when uh, all the medicine stopped working and she crashed. In 2014, she lost her job, she lost her business, and my son calls me and he says, Mom, we're moving to a farm. My son had owned two restaurants and he decided, he and his wife decided they needed to pull their lives back together. And so uh, he sold his two restaurants, they bought a farm, and they were creating a new life, and they asked Alice and I to come help them, and they would build us a barn apartment. Very nice. And so it was like a godsend because she had made a huge amount of money and all of a sudden it was gone. I could not support the mortgage on our house, all the bills. And so, and I figured this is a quiet, peaceful place. Uh, this will be good for my partner. So we sell the house, we pack everything up. And to my son's dismay, I'm sure, uh, I was supposed to come in April. I showed up January 17th. And we had to live in the room right next to them. Wow. Which I'm sure was not pleasant to have your mother in the next room. So that's, that was a totally unexpected life. I, I had been working as IT at Emory University with a bunch of guys. I could have stayed there a lot longer. But this was like, wow, who would have thought I could live on a farm? Okay, let's do it. So you had never lived on a farm before? No. I mean, that I, I was a suburban girl. This was like... That's brave. It, it, it's, I call it jumping into the abyss. I've had to do that several times in my life. It's jumping, seeing signs, and, and you can see a sign that you don't... It's the cloud of unknowing. You're, you've decided to make a decision, and you jump. Uh, a lot of people see the signs but they don't jump into the abyss. You don't know where you're gonna land, but you just know this is where you're being led. And that's what I did. Yeah. And um, You've had a lot of, as I read in your blog, ups and downs. Yeah. And I guess maybe one of the first downs was when your marriage yeah. um, didn't work out exactly mm -hmm. as planned, mm -hmm. but it did produce five children, mm -hmm. which is a plus, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, would you care to share a little bit about how yeah. that happened and how that changed your life? Because it seems like it made a huge change in your life. Another unexpected event. I just thought we were going to be married the rest of our lives. But um, I had not finished college. I, I met him when he was a senior at uh, University of Southwestern Louisiana, and I was a freshman. And we got married when I was a sophomore or so. And I, I was going to college to get married. I mean... I didn't have any other goals. My sisters all had mm -hmm. goals. And my parents were both college educated, but I really had no ambition but to get married and have kids. Mm 
And after nine, oh, well, uh, after my youngest one was born uh, and was old enough, I decided, I think I'm gonna go back to college. So I started at Northern Virginia and I transferred my, that was the first school. I, I went to five colleges. Oh. We traveled overseas. Mm -hmm. I would continue, uh, like University of Maryland was in Germany. Um, and I kept trans transferring all my credits over until we got to uh, Virginia where I went to George Mason. But when I first went back to school, when we were in San Antonio, I registered at, um, uh, Auburn and I come back and I'm very excited because I just put my youngest son in a day program and I was like what am I going to do with the rest of my life holy shit my son's in school and I'm crying and then I pull into Auburn University and I go to the counseling center and she registers me for a class and I come home and I go I'm registered at Auburn University because we live right down the street and he said well who's going to take care of the kids Ooh. I was shocked. It was the first moment of an awareness, and it just got worse. At one point, he said, why can't you just go back to being 19? I, it, it, so things were deteriorating. That would not sit well with me either. Yeah, it took me a while to, and then I'm taking philosophy and psychology and theology, and my brain is going, and I'm writing articles with the first little Commodore computers that they came out with. And he's read, he, no, well, he read a couple of them. He said, you talk like you're from the moon. I mean, things just got worse and worse. And so I left. At this point, because you got married very young, yeah. you were finally discovering who you were. Unfortunately. Who Kim was and who your family's called Karen. Mm -hmm. um, and doing things that you wanted for you. How did that feel? Uh, I remember when I bought a little desk where I could put my books and study. It was the first thing I owned for me after all of those years. And it became a symbol. You know, kids, you do not sit at this. This is mommy's desk. I had my little books. I had my cup. That was the only space in the house that I saw as, as mine. And you're right. That was the beginning of, at 38, uh, what I should have done at 19. Unfortunately, I'm doing it at 38 with five children. Uh, but at least you're doing it, and I think that, again, talk about bravery, mm -hmm. it's not easy. No. I have personally gone through a divorce myself, mm -hmm. but I remember when we talked previously that um, there were a lot more tribulations in your divorce than most people oh. because of the kids. Would you mind sharing that? Well, it, uh, when I left my husband, uh, I moved into a, a room and I left the kids with them because I did not want to in any way disturb their quality of life because I had talked to other military wives who, um, whose husband had left them and they used the children to starve the family and make things miserable. Mm. So I said, let me leave and just leave the children where the money was because I had never worked. And um, so I moved into a little apartment. I got a job at George Mason University and uh, I forgot where I was going with that. Well, I think, you know, I asked you about the divorce oh, yeah. and, and, and the so, children and how he reacted, which was and, not positive. No, and we had a lot of, I had a lot of friends in San Antonio who loved me. And we had done Marriage Encounter in San Antonio and had become leaders. And actually, he was not authentic 
and they, at some point, we were not as an effective couple. I was effective, but he wasn't. And so we had to leave that organization. But I had a lot of friends. I had a lot of uh, monks down there and, and couples. So one of them uh, actually flew me down to San Antonio, and he helped me get a lawyer. And, um, and then I flew back, and I was finishing one of my courses. And well, actually, I had started this course, and this woman walked across the, uh, you know, we're coming into the classroom. And all I can tell you is I saw her. I, I, I did not know what gay was. I had never experienced gay. They, you know, Catholic, military, you're in little tiny subcultures. Right. Th that is way outside of anything I would even think about. And I didn't know that's what she was. I just remembered I saw her. I can still picture her. So um, anyway, the, the divorce, uh, I started seeing Alice, which impacted on the divorce. So we go to court, and the first thing that happens is um, the judge, uh, my lawyer says, please do not tell him that you're living with Alice. And I said, but I can't lie. And um, that's what happens. I said, yes, I am living with Alice. And uh, he said, we're taking the children away from you. At mm. that point, I had two of the children with me. Uh, I screamed, the children screamed. It was a horrible situation. Then he says, I'm putting you in jail. Oh, oh my God. my God. Two of the court uh, guards started coming towards me, and I remember my life flashing in front of me. Oh, my God. <laughs> Twice in one Was interview. It? It's okay. This is awful. No, it's not awful. It's life, and that's what's so inspiring about you, because I know you for a little while now. And I think you get by with your sense of humor and you hide a lot of your emotions. I guess. But you have done amazing things and that's why I wanted you on the show because your story is so inspiring. Mm. Thank and you. we all go through struggles mm. and you have gone through more than your share, but you also continue to have that open heart. And I know that you're upset right now. Don't be upset with us. No. Um, and no. we're actually getting ready to wrap up. So let okay. me try to end this with something a little lighthearted and positive. <laughs> okay. Um, I do have to ask about the blog on the country song. You said never listen to country music <laughs> on a breakup. Yeah. Oh, Would was, you like to share that? Yeah, or? so that's funny. Um, I, you know, after my partner left me, I, I'm listening to uh, country music, and it, it's, I'm crying all the time. And it finally dawned on me, what the hell? It's this country music <laughs> that's doing this. So I always start the blog with, things on the farm. And then, of course, I named the blog, uh, Don't Listen to Country Music in a Breakup. So at the very end of the blog, I put, you might be wondering why I have that as a title. And I said, my partner of 30 years has left me, and I've friggin' been listening to country music. Do not do that <laughs> when your partner leaves you. Well, Kim, thank you for being so candid on the show <laughs> and talking with me. More than I thought I would be. <laughs> Well, I know you're a very honest person, and I appreciate it. Um, I want to thank my guest, mm -hmm. Kim Culbertson, for being here and for my listeners for tuning in. This is Candace. We're speaking candidly with Candace. And remember, every cloud has a silver lining.